AnteUp is your poker magazine dedicated to the everyday player and their poker rooms. Pick up a free copy at your favorite poker room nationwide each month. But AnteUp is much more than a magazine. Visit AnteUpMagazine.com daily for breaking news and each week download our award-winning poker cast. Join us on our action-packed poker cruises to exotic destinations. AnteUp, it's your poker magazine. From the Anti-Up headquarters in Tampa Bay, Florida, it's the Anti-Up PokerCast. And now, here are two guys who think they know how to play poker, Chris Casenza and Scott Long. It's December 28th, 2018. You're listening to the best poker cast on the planet. I'm Chris Casenza. And I'm Scott Long. You survived the holidays fine? How the big guy or what? Yeah, had a good Christmas. We had a bunch of people over the house. We uh, played Cards Against Humanity with 15 people, Chris. We wow. played the whole game, but that was intense and hilarious all at the same time. How did you? Where'd you fit everybody? Yeah, we put three tables on our back porch. So we Holy no more room at the inn. We had to turn Jesus away <laughs> or Mary or whoever it is. Wow, and birth people. Yeah, who won? <laughs> <laughs> It was a good holiday, and today's my brother's birthday, so shout out to him, even though he probably doesn't listen to the show. And uh, <clears throat> Is it today, or is it the date that we say today is? <laughs> it's true. <laughs> and then you can remember the New Year. I always like New Year's Eve. That's my favorite holiday. That and Fourth of July. So. Well, of course it is, because you like to drink. Well, yeah, but now now you're going to be slugging down Moscow mules all night. So uh, I must I must say that uh, before we move on, I had the most alcohol I've ever had in my entire life on Christmas Eve. I had uh, three shots of Jack Daniels Tennessee honey. Wow! And I had uh, my wife makes this sort of um, dessert coffee that she, we used to make at the club that we both worked at years and years and years ago. Um, it has a shot of uh, Kahlua and a shot of um, uh, I'm trying to, oh um, brandy, and then it gets heated up and then then it's then it's lit on fire all flambe, you know. Nice. Um, and then you put that in uh, into a glass with uh, coffee. You co- pour a cup of coffee in it, and then you heat up um, uh, another liqueur, whatever it is. And then you put that on top, and then you put a scoop of ice cream on it. So I guess the fat content keeps the alcohol down. But I had the equivalent of like six shots of alcohol in like a two-hour period. So wow! I know. All right. Well, if you're a little loopy today, we'll know why. <laughs> I'm telling you, a little bit of a hangover. But uh, no, I didn't. I didn't feel anything, to be honest with you. It was weird. I mean, sometimes when I do the shots, I feel a little uh, jittery or something, but I didn't feel anything, really, so I don't know what the big deal is. Have some milk. Yeah, just got to drink more, and then you never feel jittery. So. Just have some milk. <laughs> and I loved how you described that drink, that like that ice cream had any chance of survival. <laughs> and you heat this up, and then you flam by that, and then put it in coffee, and then a scoop of ice cream. And it, just, it acts like the cream that you put in a coffee, but it's a little <laughs> yeah. more sweet. Just put cream in. <laughs> yeah, it's not like I was eating it with a spoon or anything. I mean, I was dropping drinking. a lobster in a pot there. Jeez. <laughs> very good though. I was very. It was very very tasty. It's a real good recipe. So I was excited. Exactly. Plus, you put like you you'd put the glasses. Uh, you you make them uh, an orange around the rim, and you dip them in sugar. Then you cook the sugar over the flame, so it becomes just like crystallized sugar on the rim, and it's really good. It's a good drink. Uh, there would be. Uh, that, that sounds like too dangerous for me to put together. <laughs> I know you'd probably set the house on fire. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, the most amazing thing happened, Chris. We actually got news 
for the first time in like three months and in the week when we typically don't get any news. I know. What the hell's going on? Yeah, it's crazy. So we might actually have a decent show today, folks. So <laughs> Stay tuned. Pay attention. <laughs> don't Wake up. Off yet. Don't drive in the traffic yet. <laughs> All right, next year will be the 50th World Series of Poker, and Poker's biggest event has announced the dates for the series as well as one big new tournament to celebrate 50 years. The 2019 WSOP will run May 28th to July 16th with a special gala and awards evening on June 29th. While the full schedule will be announced early in 2019, seven events have already been confirmed, including the Millionaire Maker starting June 7th, the Seniors Championship starting June 13th, the Double Stack starting June 14th, the Monster Stack starting June 21st, the Crazy Eights starting June 28th, and the main event starting July 3rd. This year's big new event is May 30th to June 2nd. It's called the Big 50. Buy-in uh, for the four-flight event is $500. Players start with 50,000 units and play 50-minute levels. The event will also be rake-free for the first entry. And the $5 million prize pool is guaranteed with $1 million guaranteed to the winner. This depresses the hell out of me. What? Yeah, I'm depressed by this. Uh, I know that the World Series is about one year older than I am, so when they tell me that the 50th year is coming, this bums the hell out. And plus, it's you know the time of year when everyone gets depressed. The holidays, it's cold and it's dark, and I don't know. I might not make it through the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty bummed by this. Plus, all this money that people are winning and getting and everything. And, and you're not getting are, any. We're applying for food stamps next week. <laughs> I'm just not happy about this at all. Uh, what do you think about this Big 50? That's crazy. Well, I'll tell you this. I was never really um, entranced by the Colossal. I was never really entranced by the Millionaire Maker like all the other poker players in the world were. This one, though, has piqued my interest, Chris. Uh, I don't know whether it's the, the $500 buy-in, which is in, incredibly affordable for a World Series event. Um, if it's the 50,000 units... Um, or the fact that all the money goes to the prize pool on the first entry. Um, but uh, I, I give them credit. They really put out a really cool new event this year that I think is going to be pretty big, and uh, we'll see what the schedule's like, but maybe uh, maybe I'll brave the annoying crowds in Vegas for this one. I just might. <laughs> I don't know. If, uh, I haven't really done the numbers on this. You know, I really should have done the numbers before the show, but I wasn't. I was too tired. Uh, but... Uh, they're going to have to get a lot of entries to get that $5 million. Yeah, I don't think that's going to be a problem either. I think they uh, they undersold that guarantee, but, you know, the $5 million is what you need to do to um, – because they got this whole five thing going with the big 50. But yeah, yeah. I don't think it's going to be that, that big of a problem. And it's the opening weekend too, so everybody will be excited. Everybody will still have money, unlike later yeah. in the series. But yeah. <laughs> at that point. Um, now, of course, though, the one thing missing here is we know 50,000 units, which is, I think is going to get the most attention from anybody outside of the, the free rig. But, and we know the 50-minute levels. What we don't know is the structure. And as we all know, uh, evaluating a tournament, you have to evaluate all three of those things. So but the way to see what the structure is, I imagine it's going to be an accelerated structure. Um, you can't just give people 50,000 units. And even if you only do 50-minute levels with that many people in there, it's got to move a little more quickly than any other tournament, right? So, yeah. But I will say this, you know, there's always been, over the past decade or so, there's been uh, this this constant fight over whether uh, uh, the Venetian did right by poker by starting the deep stack and, and chip inflation in these tournaments now where, where people have to have to have thousands and thousands of chips to start with, uh, regardless of what the structure is, right? Right. Uh, 
But I, I think the world's changed now to where that's where most players are comfortable. They're not comfortable playing a 5,000-unit stack to start any tournament now, no matter how slow the structure is, right? Yeah. Uh, because, you know, after the the turn on a, a big board, now you're you're betting 1,000. <laughs> you're betting 20% of your stack regardless of the fact that the blinds were 25-25 to start with, right? So... Uh, the fact that there's 50,000 here, I think that's going to be the big selling point for, for most folks, no matter how uh, quick that structure is. So, Yeah, that, and the other thing, too, is with the affordability, rake-free, $5 million, you're guaranteed to win a million. You're going to look past the structure and think, hey, if I can just build a decent stack for 500 and I can even rebuy. It looks like because they're talking about how the first entry is rake-free. So there are going to be people in there who are just going to be throwing money in there to make that table full of chips, or if, if it's a rebuy or if it's a re-entry. If it's a re-entry, they're not going to do that, but... Um, yeah, I think there's enough here that they're going to look past the structure, even if it is crazily uh, accelerated. Well, and I think it also addresses the uh, the the ongoing complaints that people have with the Colossus, right? Which was like a five fifty something, some of the same price range, right? Right. But, um, but people complained it became a big shove fest because you didn't have enough units to play. So you know you had the, the pros that were willing to put two, three, four thousand dollars into this thing. Sit down and fire right away, and then go re-enter, and uh, became a crapshoot. For fifty thousand units, I don't think you're going to have that kind of. Again, no matter how fast the structure is, I don't think you're going to have that kind of dynamic. Um, it's going to be awfully hard to, to shove fifty thousand in on the first hand, right? So, right. or even the first level for that matter. So, um, I don't. I don't think it's going to be the shove fest that the colossal has become. So that changes things for a lot of people as well, too. And it's only four flights. That's the thing too. So they really got to cram those people and those entries in, right? Yeah, fight is not sure a long nothing time. Nothing else going on there other than a couple, couple cash games and uh, uh, that, that's it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. so everyone's going to enter, I think. Yeah, I can't even imagine they'll be doing a whole lot of satellites for a five hundred dollar buy-in, but um, they might. So, um, but they'll be interested to see what the whole schedule comes out, and uh, you know that usually happens end of January or so. So. Now, if they made it a $50 million prize guarantee, then that would have been something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it'd be uh, 190 flights. <laughs> the September entry is still running. <laughs> All players start with five units. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Lyle Berman's company, Black Ridge Acquisition Corp., is buying a company Berman helped found, WPT Enterprises. And an esports company, Allied Esports International, in a deal that will merge the two brands into a new $214 million company called Allied Esports International. Uh, um, actually, it should be entertainment, sorry. Oh, <laughs> the okay. name's due for esports, what the World Poker Tour did for poker, including live and online events. WPT CEO Adam Pliska, who will stay on in that role, told Poker News that all future WPT final tables will be played on a three to six week delay. So they can be filmed at Luxor's HyperX Esports Arena. That last fact kind of has me concerned. Um, so you're saying that every poker tour that, that event they have, I mean, if it, even if it's not in Vegas, well, the final tables, yes, yeah. So, yeah, so they're going to fly all the final table people out of like Jacksonville when they have their event. I've re- told you all I know. So yeah, because I read it and I didn't see what it sounded like, but. Um... So, yeah, fair, I don't know it? how that's going to work, um, or maybe <clears> it's just the Nevada ones, or if it's just the televised ones too. You know, it's it's the televised ones. Not all the WPT events are televised these days. So um, there but, are quite a but, few that are televised that are not in Vegas, though. I mean, even yeah. Florida alone has at least two. That's crazy. <clears throat> I mean, it's not like it's a November nine where you know 
you're flying out there to play in Vegas and then to know that you have to return there in three months, which you're going to be a multimillionaire. This is, this is interesting. I, I mean, plus if you're, <clears throat> it's one thing if it's your brand and your location and it's coming back to your location like the World Series does. This is, hey, we're going to have a poker tournament at your place, but the winner won't be there when yeah. it's over. You're, we're leaving you. We're, we, you don't get to have the final say. You don't get to have your property on TV. You know, you'll have, you might have like the lead up stuff and like some sort of recap to the final table or something, but really, you know, hey, best bet, you're going to have a tournament here that was going to be televised, but the final table won't be. That I don't know. People, maybe people will frown on that. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to wait and see what the whole details are on yeah. it. As well. I mean, if that's what it is, if that's what it is, it's going to be kind of tough to sell that to me, but. Well, you know, it's just like Survivor, right? But we're gonna have to take these back to LA and walk me walk through the jungle. Oh look at a costume change in the middle. Now I'm back here. It's not just like Survivor. The island isn't disappointed that they're not having the final voting on the island. <laughs> it's a little different, but I you know I can see where you're trying to grasp at straws there, but Well, you know, I, a couple of things I'll say. One, the fact that they have this you know, people are were curious why they built this big HyperX esports arena just for esports and and now now it's become a multi-use facility. Um, sounds like they have, you know, top-end TV production uh, stuff here. So now you don't have to travel with all that. So theoretically, it could make the WPT events cheaper for properties, right? Mm. Um, it's obviously going to help with the consistency of production and all that other stuff. So I would think everybody would... Uh, anybody that's ever done televised poker, including us, would love to have just one place where everything is stationary, and not moving, and you're comfortable with. Um, that that certainly is an efficient way of doing it, um, though with downsides, as you mentioned. But uh, but you know you can do a lot in TV post production now. You can do you know obviously a lot of uh, on screen interviews and B roll footage and stuff from the actual property. And then when you're actually watching the final table, you never get the sense of where you are. Anyhow, I don't think right. It always seems. Yeah. Very similar. Um, I mean, you got to go all the way back to the ultimate bet Aruba event where you're actually playing outside and everybody's sweating on the cards. <laughs> have any kind of sense of uh, not being in a uh, a studio somewhere, right? So, from the from the home viewer standpoint, I don't think anything's going to change on this. But <clears throat> um, definitely an interesting development, though. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That, that's the other thing too. Is you know, I'm curious about like where does the money come from that? Is WPT footing the bill for airfare and hotels and all that to do that? Because they're going to lose money. Right? So do you take it out of the prize pool? Players are going to be happy with that. So I want to learn a lot uh, more yeah, about e- this. Yeah, even if they pay for the airfare and hotel and all that for the people, that's cheaper than flying their equipment. <laughs> that's <laughs> the true. So, you know, it's still a net, net gain in, in terms of expense, I would think. But That's um, true, maybe. All right. I'm, I'm real curious now. They've got my, they piqued my interest. Well, I think uh, the bigger story here is just how close the esports and poker are getting now. You know, uh, Global Poker Index had already gone that route, and then LWPD is going that route. And um be interesting to see the crossover. I mean, is there going to be a, a tournament now where the first half is Texas Hold'em and the second half is World Cup soccer? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but interesting. <clears throat> All right, and then the Michigan House and Senate have overwhelmingly passed an online gaming bill that now awaits the signature of outgoing Governor Rick Snyder. If signed by Snyder, the bill would allow for poker, blackjack, and more to be offered by licensed entities and should be a precursor to allowing sports wagering in the state as well. Um, I'm going to pretty much say exactly what I said when I posted this story to our Any Up fans page uh, on Facebook. Uh, slowly but surely. 
Yep. Right? I mean, slowly but surely, the states are realizing that there's an opportunity to make money, and uh, eventually there's going to be so many states doing it that someone's going to wake up and say, why are they all individually doing this? Why shouldn't we have it all regulated for the better of our country? And and maybe it'll happen. Maybe it'll happen in our lifetime. <laughs> I'm hoping. Yep. Well, every step is getting closer there. And uh, this one uh, most impressive about this was the how overwhelming the vote was. These were not close votes. These yeah, were yeah. landslides in both the House and the Senate. Now, we don't know what the governor's going to do. You know, he's lame duck. He's on his way out. He could just... You know, forget about it or sign it or whatever. But um, I haven't seen any um, indication of which way he's leaning. But um, the fact that it was overwhelming here, I think that's that's the the um, nugget we are looking for in terms of getting other states on board. Is uh, it, are all states set up the same way where if the governor doesn't do anything after thirty days, it automatically becomes law? Um, I wouldn't uh, pre- presume to say that that's true. It could okay. be, but I, I, I wouldn't know. I, I imagine every state probably has different rules on that as well, too. But some of them like to like they don't want to say they're for it or against it, and they just let it happen, and then they can't be blamed for it either way, and they just let well, it go. Or... Got less than thirty days as governor, so yeah. <laughs> that would be interesting. What if it, they do have that rule there? Uh, what that would mean? So <clears throat> that the new governor gets a chance to sign it, which I would imagine that would probably be a case too. So um, I don't know. We'll wait and see, but good development, though. Yeah, very good. Okay, any updates? Daytona Beach Kennel Club in Florida and Bend Poker Room in Oregon are the latest poker venues to join our next Restock the Shells Food Bank initiative with Blue Shark Optics this January. Please see any at magazine.com slash restock for details on all events and how you can get involved to make a difference in your community. Uh, you know, we love hearing from our fans. If you have a hand of the week, listener spotlight, or call the floor submission, email us at podcast at com. Or post an Annie Up Fans group on Facebook. You can join that group uh, by uh, going to Annie Up or going to Facebook and searching for Annie Up Fans. You can do anything you want on there too. You could post for feedback on your hands or ask call the floor there. Scott always likes to grab them from there and put them on the show. Just basically discuss anything poker on Facebook. So Cause every day we get somebody joining. So it's yep. growing every day. Find yourself in a situation at your favorite poker room or home game and you're not sure what the proper ruling should have been? Email us at podcast at antiupmagazine.com. We'll have Hollywood Casino Toledo Director of Poker Elliot Schechter tell you how he would have ruled. Comes from our Missouri Ambassador Todd Lemansky. He said, I encountered an interesting situation at work last night while flooring a World Series of Poker Circuit Omaha 8 ring event. That's a mouthful. Yes. Two players are heads up for a side pot. On the river, player A bets... Player B pushes her remaining 6,100 into the pot. Player A, unaware that player B has raised all in, immediately tables his hand. Player B, thinking he called her raise, immediately tables her hand. Realizing he's been three-outed, player A folds and refuses to pay off the additional 2,100. Is player A on the hook for the extra 2,100? The dealer, a friend of mine that I know to be an extremely competent dealer, tells me all of this happened within a split second. And both players had tabled their hands before he was able to inform player A that player B had raised all in. My ruling was player A must pay the additional 2100 based on accepted action. But a pro player who was not in the hand tells me I am wrong and requests the lead floor for a higher ruling. His take on the situation is player A has merely tabled his hand with action pending, should not have to pay the 2100 but should receive a penalty. Though as floors and dealers, we cannot make decisions based upon what we think someone's intentions are or were, I nonetheless think it's important to note that there were around 30,000 chips between the main and side pots, 
and the player who was all in for the main had left the tournament area after realizing he'd lost. You'd be hard-pressed to find any poker player willing to fold in a 30,000 pot for another 2100. The lead floor reverses my ruling and lets player A off the hook for the 2100 and does not give him a penalty. I think he should have received at least one or the other, if not both. A well-known pro player was playing in the event as well, so later on we asked him for his opinion. He also cited accepted action and said that by not making player A pay off the 2100, you open up the possibility of an angle in which he gets the extra 2100 when he wins but doesn't pay it off when he loses. This brings up another interesting hypothetical. What if this situation had come about in a no-limit hold'em tournament, but the additional amount was significantly more? Because, in theory, the amount should not matter. All right, very interesting one. Harry Elliott says, This is a situation that happens more than it ever should. Not only did players A and B not pay enough attention, neither one to let the dealer help them pay attention. Player A apparently didn't realize there was an all-in raise and immediately tabled their hand, and player B didn't wait for the bet to be settled before tabling theirs. Uh, the turning over and tabling of a hand does not imply a call of any bet. While most of us readily agree that someone folding a $30,000 pot for a $2,100 chip bet is highly improbable, it's not impossible, and we should not be assuming anyone's thoughts, as you yourself stated. The pro not in the hand and the lead floor are both correct in their view that the 2100 doesn't have to go in the pot. Player B's actions cemented this. If player B wanted the chips in the pot, then they should have paid attention and not tabled their hand too soon. Player A should have received a penalty here for improper hand exposure. This is where the lead floor aired. Player B affected the outcome of the hand and possibly the tournament by not paying attention and not ensuring that the pot was right, and the consequence was to not get their full all-in bet uh, fully paid off. Player A affected the outcome as well by exposing his cards as prohibited by the rules, and their consequence should have been a penalty of some sort. You and the other pros point about creating an angle shot by not enforcing the 2100 chip call would be valid absent any reaction from other players or consequences enforced by tournament personnel. Penalties of consequence must be given in these situations to prevent players from this kind of premature hand exposure. Also, players must pay attention and not table their hands if the betting is incomplete. As for the game having larger bets like No Limit, Hold'em, or PLO, the ruling stays the same. Finish the betting round and enforce the penalty after the hand. And to repeat, if the raiser pays attention and doesn't table their hand incorrectly, this becomes a very different discussion. As a player, the best way to deal with angle shooters is to pay attention, not yield to their shenanigans, and call the floor. As a tournament director, the best way to deal with angle shooters is to enforce consequential penalties on them. Yeah, it seems odd <laughs> to say this, but um, the person who who made the bet and then showed their hands too quickly after the other person showed their hand was the one who's wrong here. I mean, I mean, player A should have gotten a penalty because he showed his hand too fast and and didn't call the bet. But if the other person just sits back and goes, "Wait a minute, did he call? You know, did he call the all in?" Then she would have been in the in the right and okay. But because they both showed hands so quickly, I think this this is the right ruling, right? I think this is right. Yeah, yeah, and I think um, you know it's interesting when you, when you hear. Before Elliot weighs in, you know, I always try to think of what I would do here, and um, and they're right. It, it, the angle shooting is what what really I was thinking about as well too, as as mentioned here as the pro and that. And but you know, Elliot very succinctly says, "Hey, that's why we have penalties, and the penalties are consistently enforced." Now you take away that angle shot, right? So anytime you do it, whether you win or lose, you're going to get a penalty. It's not worth doing it. Um, on the off chance that when you lose, you don't have to pay the chips because 
particularly depending on how late in the tournament it is. I mean, that 2100 could cost you more by missing blinds, right? So um, that that really was the mistake here. Um, and, and, you know, all these call the forts we get, this one was a very easy one to avoid, it seemed like, right? Mm. You know, the, the player turns over his hand early, and as you mentioned, the second player, if he would have been asking to make sure that make sure there's a call, then nothing would have happened. And really, player A wouldn't have been in a disadvantage because his only decision is whether to call the last 2100 or not, right? So is that like his his hand being exposed affected in the action, um, or, or weakened his standing really all that much? So um, it would have been a very easy fix had had player B slowed down. It certainly would have been an easier fix if player A didn't speed up as well too um but uh you know in the end you know we've had we've had some really bad situations where even the right call by the four is is pretty terrible um for the players but 2100 here in a thirty thousand dollar pot doesn't seem like that big of a deal for a mistake so and you know and it's easy for us hindsight for us to sit back and just be like you know we're sitting here now and (laughs) calm on a you know thursday morning talking about it but when you're in the moment at a world series event and you're pumped and you're just watching the player hoping for him to call and turn over the hand or whatever and then they just turn over the hand you don't think they didn't call you think oh he turned over his hand he must have called it here's my hand i want to show you i beat you you know or whatever it is and you get excited you know very strong argument i think for a player is that once a player turns over a hand that means they call call or (laughs) or put a chip in or not so but it doesn't change the fact that it's not so yeah uh, but you know, again, I mean, this is why it's good that people listen to the show. Why we do this this segment um, is to remind you constantly that you know what you think should be right isn't going to be good enough in these situations. So just slow down and and you know it's not gonna nobody any decent player is not going to be uh, upset with you for slowing down and saying, "Hey, I'm sorry, I didn't hear him say call," um, or did he put a chip in and have the dealer said yes? Now, yeah, yeah. if the dealer said yes there, and the player didn't. That would be an interesting situation too, right? But, um. well, the thing about this too is, um, you know, when 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 you're playing in a tournament like this, this is why they have these rules where they don't want you showing your hands to the other player to see for reactions and all that, because these are the type of problems that happen. You know, it could have been. You know, obviously, it's somebody showing a hand. If it was a cash game and he shows his hand early and he's looking for a reaction to see if he needs a call, then it's like, okay, well, that's perfectly accepted because they accept that in cash games. But in a tournament, now you can see the problem here. Now another person shows their hand too quickly and it's like, oh, what do we do now? Those chips are, you're playing against the entire field. You're not playing against this one person anymore. And, and it was a side pot, too, so someone else is in the hand. So now you're affecting the outcome. That person could beat one but not the other or, you know, whatever it is, the main pot. So. Yeah, this is why the rules are in place, and this is why you really have to just really work on your emotions at the table and your your actions and stuff, and just not screw yourself because you get too excited and the adrenaline's pumping, and you know, breathing exercises. That's what I would recommend. Exercises. <laughs> oh, we got a new O'Malley's move, last one of 2018, and we'll find out the result in 2019. Here we go. Here it comes. Welcome to another O'Malley's Move. I'm Malcolm O'Malley. This week we are in our regular $1-$2 game at the casino we frequent. The action has been pretty standard for a 1-2 game, 
We've been playing for roughly three hours and sit up 150 with 350. The table is nine-handed. The blinds post and the under the gun makes it $15 to go. His standard raise. The under the gun is a lag who has a wide range from almost any position. He could have a premium hand here, any pair aces through deuces, Broadway cards, any suited ace, and a variety of other combinations. He's been having a good night and sits with right around 600. There's one caller in the MP, and we're in the cutoff with the Jack of Hearts, Jack of Clubs. I could play this hand one of two ways. We could raise to define our opponent's range, or call and allow him to see bet on the flop. I'm pretty sure raising here was the best play, but I elected to call. Everyone else folds, and with a pot of roughly $40, the flop is the Ten of Spades, Eight of Clubs, Tray of Diamonds. The under the gun makes it $25 to go, and the MP folds. Once again, I feel like raising is the right move. We have to make a move to define this opponent's range. But I've been getting sucked out on lately, and have been playing more timid than usual. Once again, we simply call. With around $90 in the pot, the turn is the five of diamonds. Our opponent quickly fires another $60 into the pot. We keep up the timidity and call. With around 210 in the pot, the river is the four of hearts. Our opponent shoves almost instantly. So, are we good here, or are we folding? What's the move? All right, it's time for the advancedpokertraining.com hand of the week. Send your hands or situations to podcast.antietmagazine.com. If you haven't won something from us in the past year, you'll get a free membership to Advanced Poker Training, the world's number one poker training site. Comes from Nick Luhawi, Chris. I was and, wondering how uh, you were going to say that. That's how I would have said it. So. All right, good. Well, I don't know. I don't know if that's good. But. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're hoping we're right, but that's what I would have said it too. So. And I love getting new listeners. All right, so I'm going to a little preface here. I'm not trying to embarrass Nick. I'm just trying to cover my own uh, rear end here, right? So uh, some of the stuff got a little out of order here in the telling of the story, but I clarified with him. So I'm going to do my best to get it correct on the show. Okay. So the hand sounds right, but I may have to correct it if I screw up. So. All right. How, how's that for, like, really covering my... <laughs> All right, Nick says, I recently got into your podcast and have burned through a couple years' worth while working on the road. And uh, this is a situation I got into in an online tournament the other day. Uh, about an hour and a half in, starting stack was 25000 and I have built up to squiggly 35000 I love when people put squiggly in quotes there. just cause He funny. lets you know that he's listened to enough shows that he's picked up on the subtleties of our show and the little fan nuggets that uh, people like. So he's been listening and to enough shows that he's got it. So. <laughs> All right. The blinds are 300-600 with a 75 ante. And we are under the gun, plus one, with king of spades, king of clubs. Okay, so uh, that ante is a big deal, too. So normally you'd probably make it, oh, I don't know, probably 1,800 before even the ante's in there. So, I don't know, I, I would probably make it two grand. Close to that, maybe. Yeah, I think my my normal raise here would be fifteen hundred, but uh, then you have to account for the anties as your rate. So I would say somewhere in the neighborhood of seventeen hundred, two thousand, not bad either. But um, I, I would go a minimum of seventeen hundred, somewhere between seventeen hundred and two thousand. Plus, it's online. People would inflate their bets online. So and that's true as well, too. I'm thinking two grand. All right. Uh, our hero decides to open for 1500 Again, that's what I would say the standard raise is without Annie's, but not a terrible mistake, but uh, right. definitely uh, could have juiced a little bit more there. So, 
Uh, but it works because it folds all the way around to the small blind who calls. And the small blind started with squiggly 25,000. And he said this player has been only at the table for 10 hands and has played only one. And the big blind folds. So, wow. Heads up. Online. Nice. nice. And we have position. Yeah. All right. Um, the flop comes the deuce of clubs, deuce of spades, four of diamonds, and our opponent checks. Okay. So, we love this flop. Um, we don't love that this person is a small blind. They could have anything. Um, and because we made a 1500 and there's so much out there and they had some money committed, they could be calling with any two cards. So we don't like that it's a small blind that called this raise, but it's pretty safe board, I would think. It's not like uh, flushes are getting there on the next card. Some sort of ace tray could get there, or ace five or something, or somebody has an ace deuce suited, then you're kind of in trouble. But other than that, pretty safe board. Um, so let me guess. So there's there's three grand plus the big blind was thirty six hundred plus the Annie's about seven or so. There's about four thousand or so in the pot. Um, I don't know twenty five hundred something like that. Twenty six, twenty seven hundred something like that. Yeah, I did like half a pot here, so you know two thousand is fine. But a little bit more is not too bad either. Um, I mean it's a good flop for us because of the we have two pair now. I mean, obviously, being in a small blind, we're always a little bit spooked by what we have there. But the fact that we raise makes it a little bit harder to believe a deuce or a four or some other kind of combination that hit that that board, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'd probably go. Just heads up. I don't like to get the pot too bloated, but I like to make a significant bet. So I'm going to go for about 2000 here. Yeah, this is why I don't like poker anymore. Math. <laughs> hate math. Hate poker. If it for math, I would win every tournament. <laughs> You know, like before, we're talking about two and a half. You know, you like to make it two and a half. And I'm thinking to myself, all right, so the big blind was 600. Two and a half, that is. All right, six and six is 12 and a half of six. By the time I figure the math out, they know I'm doing math. So they're like, they're going to get reads on me. And I, Three X is easy for me. I just, there you go. It's easy to well, go 1800. I don't know why you're doing the math, though. See, I think you kind of <laughs> okay. worried about that too much. Today, all so. right. Well, it's too much math for me. You, you're like, I want to bet half the pot. I just look at the pot and go, yeah, that looks about right. Here's how, here's how much I'm throwing in there. I can't do the math. Oh, man. <laughs> um, all right. Um, let's see. So our hero bets 1,800. So a little on the light side, I think, but uh, we'll see what happens. All right. That's not too bad, but that is a little light. Our opponent raises to 4,275. I'm not sure why you didn't go to 4,274. That's, <laughs> that's right. Oh, no. That's not good. Is this a, I don't believe you have a hand, you've missed an ace-king, and I'm just going to take it down with my pocket threes? Or is this a bluff? Check raises. Hmm. Check raise could mean a set of three, uh, two deuces here, or whatever they want to call them, trips. Ugh. hate that raise. Um, okay, well, we have position, so I, I'm not going to fold for that. I think I'm going to call. And then if he doesn't bet out, on the, if he doesn't bet out, then, then I might feel a little more comfortable. If, he, if I call and then he bets, then I'm going to be a little worried that he might actually have a deuce, you know, like ace deuce suited or something. So yeah, ace deuce suited is really the only hand that I can really 
put him on here that I'm I'm scared about. Maybe pocket fours. I mean, yeah, but he would not, just call probably pocket fours. Yeah, you're probably not going to check raise with a, with that, and certainly not going to check raise with quads. So I mean, that's the only thing I can really think of that he might have here is ace deuce, unless he's like really um, loose and playing lots of crazy stuff raises yeah. on the small line too. Yeah, we have enough of, of a stack that calling is not that big of a deal. So I'm going to call and see what happens on the turn. Yeah, I like the um, uh, I, I like the call here. I mean, it's, some people might say it's a little passive, but I like it because you're right. If they're just trying to find out where we are in this hand, if if we are on ace king or something weaker than that, and making our standard c bet, and now they raise on a board that looks scary, even though if you think about it, it's not that scary. Um, you can tend to get those people to fold. So the fact that we call here, and then if if he was trying to make a move on us, then at that point he's got to shut down, right? He can't take a chance of betting again um, at that point on the turn unless he does hit something that really helps. But So um, I think you're right. If uh, we call here and then he checks, then uh, then we feel a little bit better about our hand. Yeah, because if he, if he bets out now and you called, you're telling him you probably have an overpair to this. Or at least ace king. So if he bets again, that means he's comfortable with you having a better pair than what's on the board, and you probably beat. So at least that's what it feels like it could happen. It's online too, so you never know. Yeah. All right, uh, hero uh, narrows his range to a medium pocket pair, two big overs, or four five suited. Hmm, that's an interesting hmm. one to throw there. And calls. All right. Turn comes the tray of hearts. So our board now is deuce of clubs, deuce of spades, four of diamonds, tray of clubs. Tray of hearts, right? Tray of hearts, sorry. Tray of hearts, tray of hearts, sorry. All right, so there's no flush at all possible. Uh. Opponent bets 4,109. <laughs> there we go. Got there's the your nine. There's the big impressive, uh, I'm going to scare you with my stack. Now, is it third-level thinking? Is he trying to make you think that he's trying to make you fold or is he trying to make you think that he'd make you think that he's doing that and he's really not doing that oh man now i'm confused uh i feel like i need to fold i don't know i maybe because it's hand of the week you feel like that you know i think when you're in the moment you might say i got kings there's no way i'm losing here but we just talked about ace five was a possible hand that he could call a raise with and now with a gutter he get the you know the check raise he might get the top pot there and if not he can win it on the turn so he could have that. Um, you know, he talked about him having four or five suited, so now, you know, he still has a pair, and now he's got an open-ended draw. So he could be betting on the come, you know, and not still not believe us that we have ace-king, you know, just that we have ace-king or ace-queen or something. That's a pretty big bet. Not not really big in relation to the pot, but, I mean, it's a big enough bet that what's going to happen on the river if we don't hit a king and make kings full. So yeah, Really, at that point, if you're calling here, you're, you're calling for your two outer yeah, and that's a that's a tough call to make yeah. you know if you're going to do something else if you're going to raise or something here and play back and try to take it down that's a different story but calling here you're resigning yourself to either him decide not to fire a third barrel on a bluff on the river which probably is not going to happen or you uh hitting your king so definitely can't call here i don't think i, no. can I mean unless he it. has which we've we've ruled out quads but unless he has quads i mean you have outs to if you want to shove or a re-raise, which I'm assuming a re-raise would probably mean a shove anyway. And we have about 35 grand to start, so you probably are shoving anyway. Um, but you've got to be right. If you're wrong, you have two outs. And, yeah. you know what I mean? That's a that's not a coin flip to me. There, are, That's way more in his favor. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like a fold might be in order. I mean, you could call again, but again, what's going to happen on the river? If you don't hit your king, you're just wasting money, you know, because now you got to call again, and you could have gotten your answer earlier. So, I, I think I, mean, I think a fold. He, he did. He did make his bet less than the raise on the flop here. So, you know, I guess it's possible that our opponent could throw in another four thousand ish bet on the river. And you could call down this thing for eight eight thousand between this bet and the next bet, um, and we start with thirty five thousand and still have plenty of play left. So, I, I guess that's a way of talking myself into a call here. But um, I don't know. I mean, at this point, if if we called that and then we call this, and he's got a real hand, he's not going to bet four thousand again, right? Right, right. And the river, but, he's going to say this guy really thinks he has the hand, and I've got it. And if he has it, and then he's going to bet. No matter what, a bet's coming on the river if you just call, I think. Yeah, I, I may be being played here, but I, I, I think I got a fold here. I mean, I put in 42 plus with a 6,000. I still got 29-ish. Um, we're still fairly early in this tournament. Um, and if he did play us here, the, hey, good job. But uh, I, I just, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I have trouble putting him on the hand. That's the only thing that makes me want to stay in this hand. But uh, but it's online. People play a lot of crazy stuff. We did only raise to 1,500, which is a 2.5x. So it wasn't that much more for him to call with junk and hope to catch. So Yeah, that was a problem I talked about earlier. Was He could have played a deuce somehow. Um, and the other thing, too, is, you know, you know, one hand we're ruling out, and we haven't really said at least, not ruled out, but, you know, pocket aces. You know, some guys like to play tricky with them where they just call with them and they check raise with them and now he's betting with them. You don't know. You only have kings. I, I can get away from kings pretty easily in my game, so I can see myself folding pretty easily here now. Yeah, and think about it. If you have aces here, you're really not worried about anything on this board, right? Because you could put – we could put the small blind on, on yeah. all the twos and fours and threes and aces, fives, but you can't put us. Right. Under the gun plus one on a deuce. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, that's a very straight point. I, I got a little tunnel vision there, so thanks for bringing that back. So there's another reason yeah. to fold. Yeah, I, I think I'm going to fold here. Okay. We agree. Yay. It's a Christmas right, miracle. Chris says, uh, decide this is the end of the rope. Yay. And shove for the rest of it. Oh, no. The opposite direction. Oh, no. <laughs> Our opponent calls and tables the tray of diamonds, deuce of diamonds. Oh, God. A useless jack of hearts comes on the river. It says, I'm very capable of folding kings, but I feel like most of the time I have to be good here. Any objections? Is there any way to figure out you're behind the spot or just classic cooler? Would love to know your thoughts. Well, I wouldn't call it a cooler uh, in, in a basic sense. A, a cooler, I think, would just be like kings or aces or something. But in this case, you probably could have gotten this guy to fold preflop with a bigger raise. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Um Seems foolish to be in the small blind and call a raise with trade deuce, but you know these guys they they're online could be a, a minimal buy in. They could be like fooling around trying things, and you didn't make it a lot pre flop. Not that fifteen hundred was wrong because it just didn't account for the antes, didn't account for the online. If it was a buy in that was minimal. You know, if it was like a ten dollar tournament or five dollar tournament, then some of these people were just fooling around online, just trying to. You know, trying to piss people off. So I think you might have gotten him to fold. So I wouldn't really call it a cooler. I think I, if, if the objections I have are probably just your betting amount in the beginning, and then maybe a little bit later on too. Maybe 
Um, because let's say you bet a little more on that flop, then he raises to like six or seven grand. Because he hit, by the raised the amount that you bet, he has to bet that much. Now yeah. you might be thinking a little more hard about calling, and maybe you get away from it. Um, maybe you believe he has a deuce, maybe not. Maybe you call there again. But the shove, I feel like, is you're putting so much money out there instead of a call. You know, what are you getting for a shove? You know, you're you're hoping that he has a worse hand than you, so you can get his whole stack. But you don't know, and he's check raised you and bet out. So he's telling you, I'm not bluffing. Um, and you're thinking if he has an overpair, that's the only thing you really can beat there. An overpair that's under yours or a bluff. So in my mind, the way you could have gotten away from this is you could have just, instead of your whole stack, like Scott said, right now you still have about 29 grand. Even if you call the four, just call it. You still have 25 grand. You basically have the starting stack, and it's only 3-6. So... Yeah. You know, on the river, if he shoves, then you're like, hey, I got to be beat here. And I didn't get to see the river, which was a jack, but had you just called, maybe it's a king because of the random card generator, you know, went slower or faster (laughs) or whatever, who knows. But even then, then if he shoves on you, you can get away from it. And then you've still got 29 minus four. So you guys got 25 grand starting stack, basically. Now, instead, you guessed whether or not you were ahead or not. And you flipped a coin in your mind. And you shoved, and you're out. Or not out, but you're down a bunch because you had more than this guy. So you still got 10 grand left. But that's not a lot. That's basically an M of, I don't know, you got one rotation around. Yeah. Know? So ugh, that's tough. Yeah, I think you just had to remember you're in, you're playing with somebody in the small blind. So, um, you know, I mean, if you would have made the pre-flop raise that we suggested, I don't know whether that changes anything really. This guy seemed like he wanted to get squirrely anyhow. So, you know, if he called the fifteen hundred, which was quite an extra twelve hundred for him, he probably would have called an extra fifteen hundred if he made it eighteen hundred. So, um, doesn't change that he's still in his hand, and then he's going to hit that those trips. Um, and then uh, I'm actually really surprised that he uh, he raised on the flop with that. I think he had us pretty dead there. He, I, mean, I think he had to think he had us pretty dead there, right? Yeah. Um. So. Uh, but he did, so I guess maybe that's a little misdirection. It made us think maybe if you had deuces there, you wouldn't do it. But kinda, then he got fired. So, kind of reminds me of the super system where he says, you know, somebody raises preflop and you're playing babies and you hit it, you bet into him because he's supposed to have a hand. He's not going to get away from it. This is a sure. little different in that, um, you know, you you called with babies and then you check he check raised you, but. To me, I'm not that surprised because if, if if we do have the hand we're supposed to have, he's expecting us to now come over the top again, and we didn't. Right. That's right. the key. Um, if we come over the top yeah, again, yeah. then he shoves on you, and you call thinking you're way ahead, and then you're drawn practically dead. Yeah, and if the villain just calls our bet there on the flop, then you run the risk of and then checking the turn, the check raise on the turn, you run the risk of um, our hero checking behind and losing all that value on that too. So probably a better reason to check uh to at least get a bet in there so but yeah you know when there's trouble on board that that's when it's a little bit easier for me to fold kings uh, well the good news is that he could take this hand now and run it in the simulator on advanced poker training because there you just, go right, that's right got a free membership so there yeah, you okay. go all right well i hope everyone has a safe new year and we'll see you in 2019 i'm chris Costenza, and i'm scott long we'll see you at the table Anti-Up is a production of antiupmagazine.com. 
Contact the show at podcast at antiupmagazine.com or call our hotline at 206-338-6344. If you'd like to advertise, send an email to advertising at antiupmagazine.com or call 727-331-4335. Some music used in this episode comes courtesy of the Podsafe Music Network.